What's up, college football fans, and welcome back to an all-new episode of the Cover 2 College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Smithson, joined, as always, by my co-host, the Oki Longhorn himself, Dalton Chandler. Dalt, how you doing, buddy? I mean, outside of having COVID, I'm doing about as well as could be asked. Uh, just want to take this to apologize for everybody. I know my audio is going to be a little messed up. I am using my Xbox headset to record, but we're here for you, and we want to we want to get an episode out, so just thankful that we found a way to do it. Right, right, yeah. Do, doing things a little different. Um, obviously, like like Dalt said, his, his audio is not going to sound as crystal clear as it normally does. Not that it's, you know, we're never perfect, but um, we what we're doing right now, we just really don't have the, the equipment to do it, you know, perfectly. But we wanted to get an episode out this week for our listeners because it's obviously a big week, college football. And, you know, we, we found a way to do this, and, and we're just going to kind of go with it and, and see how it goes. And hopefully it hopefully it works out, Dalt. So uh, aside from that, I mean, how, how are you feeling? You know, I, I, I never really felt bad. I uh, I felt like I had a head cold started Friday night when I was at work and then kind of went into Saturday. I didn't really get any better. Saturday night was probably my worst night. Woke up Sunday just congested, no fevers, nothing really. And then jokingly, Dana was like, how about I give you one of these at-home COVID tests that work or the Creek Nation sent home with everybody? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. She swabbed me, and it, like, immediately turned positive. Nice. And, like, she freaks freaks out, and she's like, you know, let me go get this other brand. Maybe this brand was just, like, whatever. And I was like, great. So I got to get Q-tip jammed up my nose twice. Yeah, it's never pleasant. And the second one was just as fast with the positive. So, I mean, that's that's where we are. You know, unfortunately, I think now she's kind of coming down with it. But as long as the kids don't get it, that'll be a win for our household. Right, yeah. You'll survive. You'll survive. But speaking of being sick, there are probably still some Tennessee fans that um, may be feeling the effects of a, a hangover from Saturday. Um Obviously, a wild night in Knoxville. We're, we're going to talk about that game quite a bit, but, you know, I just had a, a couple of things to touch on, you know, that happened post-game. Uh, Tennessee fans, like like we had said, that, you know, they're back, and they and they just don't really know how, how to act or how to handle it. Um, I mentioned to you that I had saw the guy on Twitter. He was jumping for joy out of pure excitement, and he literally put on there that he tore his ACL in his living room. Um that's a tough, tough break. You know, you're, you're so excited your team won that you tore your ACL. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, whenever you whenever you go on a span and not win in that game for 15 years and you finally get a win, it, it can be a little bit of a an overstimulant. You know, look at everybody that rushed the field. I mean, they tore down the goalpost and kneeling. There were people peeling up. Chunks of grass. Chunks, yeah. of, chunks of grass to take home with them. Right. Uh, you know, they wanted to savor every bit of that moment. You know, they, they walk the goalpost down to the river and throw them into the river. And it was just it, it, that, it, like you, we talk about the kneeling there and that guy there, but I mean, he was everywhere. Oh, yeah. Tennessee fans everywhere were losing their minds. I mean, I seen people running and jumping over couches in their 40s, and I'm just like, <laughs> I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that if you asked me to. And I, I'm somewhat of a decently spring chicken. athletic yeah decently athletic person but you know well, yeah i mean 
it's been so damn long since they beat Alabama. I mean, you just can't hardly blame them. I mean, and and to talk about the goalposts, you know, it, it was funny. We had talked about this that they they had put out a tweet saying that they had started a GoFundMe for for the the goalposts to replace them. And ironically enough, they actually had already prepared for the goalposts to be torn down. They had a guy that basically rebuilt them before the game even started. Um. So they raised like over a hundred thousand dollars, but I don't think goalposts are going to cost that much money, Dalton. No, I'm pretty sure that's going to come with the. That's going to go towards the fine that it's going to cost them, right? For yeah, rushing the field, yeah, it should should be a pretty hefty fine. But I think they'll gladly pay that. Um, but you know, good good for Tennessee. And and to kind of close that out, we you know we don't have a whole lot of other you know weekly news, no no coach firings that I'm aware of, nothing major. Um, Something that I've seen. But, you know, as usual, that takes us right into our, our new AP Top 25. Um, and so, you know, I, I figure I'll, I'll read it this week. I know that's usually your job, but since I have, you know, a little bit better audio set up here, um, I, I will read the Top 25. And so to start out, obvious, not not necessarily obvious number one, but, you know, remaining number one, is the Georgia Bulldogs. They received 31 first-place votes. They they stay right where they were last week. And then uh, number two is not really surprising either. You have Ohio State. They received uh, 17 first-place votes. So Tennessee comes in at number three uh, after beating Alabama. Um, they received 15 first-place votes. Uh, Michigan's up one spot to number four. Uh, Clemson actually down a spot to number five. Alabama drops three spots to number six. Mississippi Mississippi up two spots to number seven. TCU jumps five spots to number eight. UCLA, the Bruins up two spots to number nine. Oregon up two spots to ten. Oklahoma State, after their loss, they fall three spots to number 11. USC, following their loss to Utah, drops five spots to number 12. Wake Forest up one spot to number 13. Syracuse, after their big win over NC State, jumps four spots to number 14. Utah, after a big win over USC at home, jumps five spots up to number 15. Penn State, after being bludgeoned by Michigan uh, on the road, they jump or they drop six spots down to number 16. Kansas State stays even at 17. Illinois up six spots to number 18. Kentucky, after a big win against Mississippi State, they're up three spots uh, to 19. Texas jumps two spots to number 20. Cincinnati stays even at number 21. UNC jumps into the rankings for the first time at number 22. NC State, after a loss, falls eight spots to 23. Mississippi State, also after a loss, falls eight spots to 24. And for the first time, Tulane closes out the top 25 after being unranked a week ago. And so you look, you know, other other teams receiving some votes. You have um, Purdue. They re- they received some votes. LSU was close. I had kind of predicted that they they would maybe make it in the top twenty-five. South Carolina received thirteen votes. UCF, Kansas, after their loss, they fell out, but still received twelve votes. Um, James Madison, who I believe they won again, they. Fell no, they out got the beat. Oh, did they get? Oh, that's right. They got beat by Old Dominion. Yep. So they they had just jumped into the rankings and they fell out. Them in Kansas, those were your only two teams that totally fell out of the poll. Um, 
and you know we're not going to talk about Kansas, but your your five and seven prediction, it's a uh, you're you're on the right path, Dalt. I mean, good on good. They didn't look great. No, no. I mean, gr- uh, granted, they scored forty something points against OU, but right. you, you that's great and all, but you can't give up fifty. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna touch a whole lot on our our two teams, but yeah, they Kansas OU did with Dylan Gabriel back literally did whatever they wanted on offense Saturday. I mean, they had yeah. like over seven hundred yards total offense. It Kansas they had no answer for anything. Um, so I, it's kind of strange, really, because their defense hasn't it hasn't been great, but. It hasn't really been as bad as it looked Saturday. It was it was really bad. I watched most of that game, um, and they they just they did not look very good. Very didn't look very stout defensively. But that that's your new top twenty five. You know, we had you know quite a bit of shakeup. You know, some teams fell that had lost. Had a lot of you know a lot of ranked matchups this past week. So obviously, when that you know when that happens, you're going to have teams that drop in the rankings, teams that fall out of the rankings, um, teams that move up. And, and so, I mean, top 25, it kind of just is what it is. Obviously, it's just something that we talk about every week. Not not a whole lot to take from it. You know, you have, what, four USC te- – or four, USC, four SEC teams in the top seven. That's, you know, probably something to be said for that. A um, couple, couple of Pac-12 schools, only one Big 12 school. Um. But really, I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot to add as far as the rankings go. I mean, um, you know, the the move isn't surprising for Tennessee to jump Michigan. Michigan hadn't really played anybody, and kind of like we had touched on, the uh, Tennessee's the only team that's beat four ranked opponents this year. Right. And uh, a game that we're going to talk about this week gives TCU a chance to jump into that category as well with a win over Kansas State this weekend. But, the, you know, the, the 15 votes for first place, are, you can see why. Yeah. I mean, that, there's definitely there, – I feel like there's definitely an argument to be made for Tennessee jumping, you know, into that – even to that number one spot. Um, you know, it it's – it's hard to say if if they really are the best team. I mean, I find it kind of funny, you know, and like I said, we're going to talk about that game. Um, you know, 52 to 49 was the final. You have games like that in the Big 12 four or five years and ago. It's like, the defense oh my gosh, is terrible. these teams are – the defenses are terrible. Neither of these teams can win at all. But it's kind of ironic. It, you know, turns around to an SEC team, a game, and it's like, this game was incredible. Like, this is the best college football game I've ever watched. Like, yeah, okay. You know, sure. I watched Jalen Hyatt, like, run. like Just run past people. Yeah, pretty much the whole game. But, like I said, we're going to talk about that game, and we have some other games to talk about. Obviously going to break down our our Week 7 review. Uh, We both had a good week on picks. Uh, Both both went 4-2. And... and that actually pushes your record to 26 and 19 overall. You're doing pretty well, and that bumps me kind of almost back up to 500 at 21 and 24. Uh, but we we did pick six games. Like I said, we had six ranked matchups this past week. Some really good football. Some really good games. It, it was. They all kind of ended up being pretty good games. Yeah, maybe maybe one of the more exciting weekends of college football that 
that I can remember for quite some time. But our, our first game was Kentucky and Mississippi State. And I think we were both on Mississippi State for this game. They, they came we were. in um, as road favorites, uh, six-and-a-half-point favorites at Kentucky. And I didn't, I didn't really watch any of this game, but it looked kind of like Kentucky just really just controlled it from really pretty much start to finish. Um, you know, they that's, did the Levis kid play. That's what I'm looking. I don't think we could watch it because I think it was a ranked game, uh, like two ranked games or two ranked opponents. I'm sorry. And it was on the SEC network. Yeah. So, I um, mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like it just popped up. and. So, yeah, I mean, it, it looks like, you know, for the most part, it was close at halftime. Not a lot of offense. Um, yes, Will Levis played. But, I mean, it, it looks to me like Kentucky, they had almost twice as many first downs as Mississippi State. And it just looks like their defense really just kind of shut Mississippi State down in this game. You know, well, Mississippi State had 225 total yards. They rushed for 22 yards. On that's what I was just going to say. Their leading rusher had 16 total yards. Yeah. Not, not ever going not, not to probably be very good whenever – you have a game like that. No. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 203 passing yards. But, like I said, 225 yards of total offense. It, you're going to have a hard time winning any game playing like that. Kentucky dominated time of possession. And, I mean, they didn't do anything spectacular. They, Ironically enough, they ran and passed for the same exact amount of yards. But both over 200, they almost had 500 yards of total offense. And... You know, like I said, it was close close at halftime, and then Kentucky, they just kind of pulled away in the second half and kind of controlled most of this game. So we we were both – this was a loss for both of us. We – you know, Mississippi State had looked good. Their offense had looked really good. And, you know, Kentucky had kind of slowed down the momentum that they had. <clears throat> well, we weren't sure if Levis was going to play or not. Right. And so – So that I mean, kind of turned us off of Kentucky. Right. And obviously, you're 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 not on Kentucky, probably ever. But. No, I, no, I, I'm still gonna wish for their demise. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Kentucky they they cover and went out right that six and a half, and that, that was one that we both got wrong. And so our next game, we we were actually split on this game, and you know I had to even text you about it because we found out it was literally like the Saturday of the game they announced it was, this was Syracuse NC State. They announced that the Leary kid wasn't going to play, and I had no knowledge of that. And like the the report basically broke on Saturday that I want to say I can't remember what they had said happened to him, but I think he's out for the season. He had a torn. It was either a labrum or a pec. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a pec. I'm pretty sure pectoral. But uh, their offense. It's probably a close race between who's worse without their starting quarterback, NC State or Oklahoma, because uh, Syracuse pretty well just handled them at home. The final in that game was twenty-four to nine. You know, based on what I saw, NC State just they couldn't do much of anything, really. I mean, and it wasn't that Syracuse just played great, and I, I mean, I'm still kind of kind of questionable of what Syracuse really is. Um, obviously, they're six and zero, so you know, credit where credits due. But NC State even controlled time of possession in this game, but it's just they they just couldn't score. 
They just, I, you know, it was 10 to yeah, 3 at halftime. I mean, they kicked three field goals. Like, you're not going to beat too many teams kicking field goals. Like, it just. No, it's, uh, it's already anything going whenever you're what they, everybody called the best quarterback in the ACC and one of the top quarterbacks in the nation doesn't play. Right. You know, OU kind of had that whenever they played Texas. They couldn't get anything going. And against Syracuse, that was the same thing for NC State. Right. Yeah, so so you were on Syracuse there at minus three and a half. Um, obviously, we had talked about me possibly changing my pick, but I just kind of said, you know, whatever. I, I honestly still thought NC State was really just the better team, so I thought that they might still be able to get it done and cover at least, but that wasn't the case. And, you know, Syracuse, they, they win that game, get run their record to 6-0, and and they, they have a big one this week with Clemson that we're obviously going to talk about later. Um, again, you, you kind of just you don't really know a whole lot about Syracuse and what they have, but you were on you were on the orange, and and that was a win for you and a, a loss for me. Um, but our next game, and this is one that I'm going to enjoy talking about, Dalt. Utah stuns <laughs> USC at home or at Utah, 43-42. You know, but Utah did come in as favorites in this game, minus three and a half. So USC actually did cover. But, I mean, this was like perfect scenario for me. I pick USC to cover. Utah wins the game by one point. I pretty much watched this entire game. And, Dalton, if I told you that I had seen that song and dance before, <laughs> I mean, it, it was like PTSD watching that football game. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And – that's what happened. You know, USC had built, I think they were up 21 to seven early mm-hmm. and just were rolling and, you know, kind of take their foot off the gas and Utah just kind of hangs around. Um, saw a lot of people complaining about the officiating in this game. And I will say it was bad for probably both teams. Um, but ultimately, Kyle Whittingham makes call of the game. They score, you know, late with, I think there was less than a minute. Down, They were down 42 to 35, and they score 42-41. He decides to go for two. I mean, you talk about having some balls. You go for two at home. Say, I don't... You know, they, they usually say you do that on the road to kind of get out of there. But he, he did yeah, what the, uh, he couldn't. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He, uh, he, he did what Mike Gundy should have done in the first overtime. And, you know, I don't know how he walks around. Cause <laughs> he's got to have a wheelbarrow. Yeah, his his nuts got to hang down <laughs> past his knees because <laughs> that that's an unbelievable call. And and you you are just a driving force. Hello. Go be quiet. You're, you're just a driving force behind the two-point conversion call. Like you, oh, yeah. if you if you were an offensive coordinator and you had one two point conversion call, you would die on this hill, and you time. would call quarterback draw every time. And I mean, that's not even what they called, but he ran, and it, I mean, there was nobody near him. I mean, he basically no. walked into the end zone. It works every time, every time. I like I don't know why people don't do it every time, and I, I, it amazes me how many people do it, and the defense is like never ready for it. It's like so obvious. Drop back. You got three yards. I mean, it's ultimately like six or seven yards because you're in the pocket. But 
it, it just seems to always work. And and I knew, like I just thought right before they snapped the ball, if he runs, he will get it, and they'll win this game, 43-42. But, you know, talking a little bit more about this game, and I, I have a lot more because I watched more of this game, you know, than the first two we talked about. Well, you Lincoln see, I, I, did, I didn't watch this game. Like I said, Saturday night I wasn't feeling real good. So I, I kind of checked in early, but I woke up to you and BP's long list of messages, and you're yeah. just unbelievable. Hey, oh, I was I was thrilled, Dalton. you I had made the comment. I think I put this on Twitter. It was almost a perfect Saturday for me as an Oklahoma fan. Yeah, you were a Close. you were a Hutchinson catch and touchdown away yeah. from it being a perfect Saturday. Right, but you know the the clock management, Lincoln. You know they. Utah had the ball inside the 10-yard line with over two minutes remaining in this game. And I I believe USC had two, maybe three timeouts. He does not call a timeout until there's like 48 seconds left. And they were, it was like fourth down. So they were going for it on fourth down to try and score to tie the game. And that was when he took his first timeout. And it's like, you know, your defense is reeling. You you probably know deep down you're not going to stop them. Like, you know, so, I, well, why not give your offense more time? Right. Like, take a timeout. In college, it's a little bit different than the NFL. In the NFL, timeouts are gold because the clock doesn't stop with a first right. down. But right. in the NFL, a first down is essentially a timeout. Right. Because they have to set the chains and everything, and with the the pace of the offensive run in college nowadays, that's that's nothing. Like, you maybe lose a second, maybe two off the clock trying to get a play in. Right. But for guys that run those fast-paced offenses, it's usually a second at most. But, uh, yeah, this is not very good clock management by Riley. No. But, you know, he's known to choke games like that off. Well, right. I mean, you – he gets super conservative, and I think that that's kind of what happened again in this game. And, you know, late in the game, the referees basically tried to let USC get in field goal range, you know. Yeah, that was wild. Uh, the clock situation was horrible. You know, they Caleb throws one deep, and it gets picked off, but I think they called holding on the defense. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy picks it off, and the clock stops for like three or four seconds while he's running it back. And so I think he picked it off with like 13 seconds and it had stopped and then started to, or it had, it should have been at like eight seconds. Well, then somehow they add five seconds to the clock. So they gave, basically USC got given 10 free seconds of time. Ultimately it didn't matter. Um, they lose the game, but they do cover. And like I said, this, this just thrilled me. I, I, you, called it from a mile away that Utah was going to win this game to start the season. And, I, you know, I, it just made me happy, Dalt. I, I can't – just the way the season has gone for me, there hasn't been a lot of good, and, and this was this was, a, was part of the good for me. It's, it's kind of sad. I, <laughs> I, I feel kind of bad that my team's season is so bad, it's going so poorly that the fact of another team losing is what made my Saturday better. But, you know, I'll take anything that I can get. Right now, so I'm I'm not ashamed of it whatsoever. The, you know, and with the USC loss, this kind of makes the Pac-12 race really, really interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. You know, we got, got UC, we have UCLA, Oregon, 
who are both unbeaten, they play each other this week. Right. And then you have two one-loss teams in Utah and USC. Right. Yeah, you got you got four pretty solid teams that, I mean, I would say any of the four of them right now could probably win that conference. Uh, obviously, like you said, big matchup this weekend that we're going to talk about between UCLA and Oregon, top ten matchup. Um, but ultimately, we were both on USC there in that game, so that was actually a win for both of us. Um, but Utah does win that game 43-42, to and that takes us into our next game, which was another thriller down in Fort Worth. Um, TCU kind of comes, you know, out of nowhere in this game. You know, o- Oklahoma State kind of had control. And they come from behind and kind of, you know, goes into double overtime, and the Frogs end up winning, winning the game 43-40 to in double overtime, but the spread was three and a half when we picked it, and so they only won by three. So we we were actually both on Oklahoma State to win this game, but they did not win, but they did cover. Uh, so, again, it was a win for us, and I, did you watch quite a bit of this game? Yeah, I watched a lot of it. You know – Oklahoma State really didn't do nothing spectacular in this game. I know Spencer Sanders probably had one of his worst statistical games he's had because, you know, they say he has a hurt shoulder. But, I mean, he used his legs well, and OSU was – OSU was – God, they had the ball. They got the ball with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter – up 14. Yeah. And Gundy turtled, turtle shelled. He crawled into his shell and... Pulled a Lincoln Riley. But it was so terrible. And, you know, I hear OSU fans saying Gundy does this all the time, but, you know, you don't see it. Right. Because, you know, you don't expect them to... You don't, Like, Gundy doesn't hasn't lost a lot like that, so you don't see it. But OSU fans get mad about it. But Gundy... Let his pussy hang out on Saturday. He and I'll say it. He had a chance to drive the nail in the coffin. And yeah, you have a hurt quarterback or whatever, but use his legs. They literally handed it off three straight times and then punted it away. TCU comes down and scores. It's a one possession game with like nine minutes left. You get the ball back. You have to punt. Your defense hasn't shown me a lot that they can stop people right. this year. Like, this yeah, isn't I mean, the defense you had last year. No, like, you no, are no. now in jeopardy of losing these games when you have yeah. leads late. Yeah, I mean, the defense is – it's not just terrible, but it's its nowhere near what it was last year. I mean, they TCU accumulates over 500 yards of offense in this game. And, I mean, what was the score, 30 to – 31 to 17. Was it 30? I th- it was yeah. thirty-one to seventeen. Whenever they got the ball back up fourteen, and, and then I mean, they they end up tying the game, so it goes into overtime. And this is kind of what we had talked about in the Utah game. Gundy, so you, you, TCU scores and goes up. Wasn't like on the, the first play they scored. They scored quick, and so it's like it was like the first 30. or second play. And so then. OSU scores, and we were literally talking about it during the game with BP about, you know, go for two. You got to go for two right now. Win the game, get out of there. You know, if you don't get it, you don't get it. You know, it, it is what it is. You take the chance, you kind of put, you know, put it all on the table, and they end up not going for two, and they tie the game with the extra point. And then they get the ball to start the second overtime. They get 
just a terrible series and kick and go, a long field goal and make it. You know, they go up three, 40 to 37. And but then, once again, you know, your defense isn't stopping anybody. Right, and and TCU, they, they just kind of push it right in from the 25-yard line and, you know, they don't kick the extra point, which is ultimately what got us the – that got us the win in this game was overtime the, overtime no rules. That... Yeah. Um, but you know, TCU, they had 27 first downs, but they were only three for 13 on third down. And I mean, realistically, you know, Max Duggan, he just kind of, kind of just keeps getting it done. He's 23 of 40, 286 yards, two touchdowns. Um, TCU, Quentin Johnston is just a monster. The best wide receiver in the Big eight, 12, eight, hands down. Eight, eight receptions, 180 yards, and a touchdown. You, TCU's running the football really well. The Miller kid had over 104, over 100 yards on 22 carries, a couple of touchdowns. Um, but, again, this was a game that, you know, you look on ESPN at the win probability, and it's just sitting on OSU's side of the fence this whole game until literally the very end. And they had a just, 95% chance to win when they got the ball back. With 12 so, minutes left. Yeah, I mean, this is just kind of one of those deals that, you know, it, these, are, these are the kind of games that can kind of send your season in one of two directions, you know. You can you can recover from it and, you know, go on, or you can fall. And so, I mean, OSU's got a tough road ahead. You know, they got homecoming this week, Texas coming to town, you know, should be a, a really good game that we're obviously going to talk about. But ultimately, TCU, they – they don't cover, but they win the game. And, and again, we were both on OSU in that game, so that actually was a win for us on our pick. But uh, moving on to our next game, this game was not close, even though it looked close at halftime, and that was Penn State. They traveled to Ann Arbor to play Michigan. I believe the score was like 16 to 13 at halftime maybe, or 16 to 14 at halftime. Penn State actually was leading at halftime. It was something along those lines. But – you know, then Michigan, they basically – I think Michigan was maybe leading at halftime 16-14. to 14. And then Penn State took the lead up 17-16, and Penn State did not score again. Um, and Michigan just – I think I saw them in a look real quick. Um, I believe they ran for over 400 yards. Yeah, 418 rushing yards, Dalton. Yeah, <clears throat> that was uh, on, on that was not something I seen coming. No. 563 total yards on a Penn State defense that I think, you know, a lot of people were high on that they thought was, you know, a pretty solid defense. And Michigan, you know, I think people are going to have to start taking Michigan a little more serious because the Wolverines, they look they look pretty darn good. I mean, controlled time of possession in this game, 41 minutes to 18. They had 28 first downs to Penn State's 10. Like I said, 563 total yards of offense. They just – they literally just ran it down Penn State's throat. Totally ran it down their throat. Yeah, you know, and the kind of the thing that stands out to me is Penn State's up 17-16 to 16 and Michigan just hammers them with a 60-yard touchdown run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that kind of felt like that was the gut punch that would just – just did Penn State in because they turn around – they have to punt the ball back to them, and then here comes Blake Corum with another sixty-yard touchdown run. Just punch, just, just take back, two yeah, just right to the jaw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
So Michigan, honestly, you know, that, that game with Ohio State, that's going to be huge. Um, obviously, obviously towards the end of the year. Um, but that's going to be a massive, probably, I mean, more than likely going to be a top five matchup. Um, and it's going to obviously decide that one division of the Big Ten more than likely. Um, which, and again, I, I think Penn State's okay, but did you see where James Franklin, he's like, they haven't won a like top 10, they haven't beaten a top 10 opponent since like, I think like 2016 or something like that. Wasn't that whenever lost, like, Saquon and them beat Ohio State? I think they've lost their last like 10 games against top 10 opponents that they've played, which I've always kind of thought James Franklin, I, I don't know how he keeps getting raises because I, I just don't think that he can really get it done ultimately at Penn State. I mean, they he recruits really, really well, but they just always seem these big games, they always seem to lose. Like it's it, they just always falter in these big games. I mean, even when they had, you know, Barkley and some of those great players that they had back, back in 2016, 2017, like they'd look really good and then they'd play Ohio State or Michigan and they kind of just would fall apart. So, I mean, ultimately – you actually were on Penn State in this game at plus seven, and I took Michigan, and uh, Michigan was definitely the pick, brother. Yeah, that was it. Was the call? It was. Um, it was the play. So yeah, that that was a loss for you, uh, a win for me, and yeah, Michigan. They just kind of run away, and it it was kind of kind of an embarrassing win for for Penn State. I mean, honestly, an embarrassing loss, and that takes us into our final game, Dalt. Game of the week, maybe the game of the year. Just insane environment. We talked about it, you know, when we first started the show today. Tennessee, for the first time in the Nick Saban era at Bama, and I believe for the first time in the last 14 meetings, I think is what I saw. Was it 14 or 15? It was 14 or 15, one or the other. It might have been 15. But I had I saw a graphic that was showing all the teams that how long it had been since they had beat Bama. Tennessee beats Bama fifty two to forty nine. Covering Bama was favored by seven and a half. We were both on Tennessee in this game. We did not think that if Bama I think we both thought Tennessee would win this game, but if Bama was gonna win, I obviously didn't think it was gonna be by seven and a half, by you know, eight. Um but man, this game this game had some major ups and downs for these two fan bases. Oh my gosh! Could you imagine? Tennessee fans were—I mean, they were living the, on the live. They were up what twenty-eight to ten at one 10. point yep, early. And then you know, Bama kind of starts to storm back, and all you see on Twitter and everything in the stands is Tennessee fans are just like, "Oh no, not again!" Right. Yeah, so they yeah they were up twenty eight ten, and then Bama scores uh, basically eighteen unanswered, and tied up twenty eight twenty eight. Then Tennessee they jump back in front on one of Jalen Hyatt's. I believe he had five five touchdown catches. They missed the extra point, so they're only up six. And then Bama actually takes the lead thirty five thirty four, and then Tennessee takes the lead back, gets the two point conversion. And then Bama actually scores back-to-back touchdowns. You know, they had the fumble. Did, did you the see fumble the fumble recovery? Middle? Yes. So they, they go up 49-42, to 42, and so you're like, okay. Like, when that happened, I kind of thought, okay, Bama's going to hang on. 
because that was, you know, fourth quarter. There was just under eight minutes left. And I was just thinking to myself that Bama, they're not going to, they're not going to give up this eight point or this seven point lead. Like, but, you know, again, Hyatt touchdown ties it up 49, 49 Bama drives the field, misses the field goal. Pushes oh, I know. It, Fuck him. Push, yeah. Pushes it right. Fuck Couldn't him. have done that against Texas, right? No, fuck him. <laughs> he's he's uh, he's literally missed like I want to say he's missed like either four or five since he's made that field goal in Austin. So you know he can eat cursed, he, he can he can eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> um. So yeah, then Tennessee has the huge play down the field. They get within field goal range and. This field goal, oh my gosh! Like, gets tipped. Got the guy from Bama just blows right through the line. I mean, just comes free. Oh yeah, I mean that's. And this it almost reminded me of uh, whenever Tennessee had a chance to beat Bama. What was it? Two thousand. Yeah. Ten. And yeah, it's been a while. Bama yeah. had the big defensive lineman that everybody raved about, Cody. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, but, they, I think the score was like twelve to ten in that game, and Tennessee was kicking to win. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, this ball was like a dying duck being shot out of the sky, and I mean, it just, it just snuck over the crossbar. I, it, I thought he, I thought he missed it. Yeah, when I, he, I thought when it was he, short too. I did too. When he first kicked it, I was like. When he first kicked it, I was like, he just duffed this field goal. Yeah. Like that, I was like, that looked like my wedge shots. But, you know. <laughs> the bunker. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, I was like, there's no way this gets there. Luckily for him, it did, and he's the hero. But as, you know, kind of went back and they were replaying it, they were like, oh, my gosh, they got a hand on it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it got a pretty good hand on it. And like, yeah. it, just, it snuck over that crossbar and chaos ensued. Oh, uh, it was. Did, did you see the video of the referees trying to get out of there? They were like, oh yeah, that beeline to get out of there, <laughs> which I don't blame. They... But which I didn't think the officiating was bad, but obviously they're always trying to get out of there because you just never know some crazy fan may. Yeah, and that's you know that's they were, what might happen at Neyland. I mean, you talk. Yeah, about that's that. no shit. They they were throwing beer cans and everything else when they yeah. played Ole Miss last year. Mm-hmm. I think I saw that they had like they broke the decibel record for a college game at like over like 124 decibels in there, which Neyland Neyland's insane. Oh gosh, I mean six eight they they hold over what a hundred and yeah it's I, over well over a hundred thousand. Well, hold on, I can look at the attendance right here. And I mean, it's just a hundred a hundred and two thousand. Right, so. Yeah, just just mass chaos ensues. You you know, we talked about the the goalposts get torn down. They get carried out of the stadium down to the river. You know, get, get Throw, thrown in the river, floated down. Uh, it, it's just you just have to feel the absolute elation of Tennessee fans. Like they, I've like I said, I've saw so many videos of people just literally they don't know how to act because some of no. them it's been so long since they've saw this. And I saw something that was kind of funny. I think like I think Barstool Bama tweeted it. 
and it was like when somebody beats Bama, it's, you know, big celebration, this and that. When Bama beats somebody, it's just another Saturday. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's true, obviously. I mean. They've been the last decade, but got to give credit to Tennessee. I mean, Hendon Hooker looking like potentially the phenomenal. Heisman, Heisman front runner. Him and C.J. Stroud, we talked about that last week. I mean, both teams over 560 yards of offense. I mean, this game was – I mean, Bama even two, controlled was... time of possession. But ultimately, you know, Tennessee – and i got to say, as an OU fan, i gotta, I got to point this out. Josh Heupel left Norman in a, you know, a bad mm, situation. Not, Kinda, not, not left Norman. Yeah, he got ran out of town. Because his, okay, offense, that's better. his offense sucked. It was bad. It was terrible. I'm not going to defend what he had at OU his last few years. It was bad. He got ran out of town. Like, from everything I've been told or, or have heard, he doesn't have much of a relationship with anybody, like, as far as, like, Bob and all that at Oklahoma. But he went through the he doesn't. He doesn't have a statue, does he? No. No, he didn't win a Heisman. Did he not? Uh-uh. No, Chris Winky won that Heisman. Yeah. That's um, right. But I'm happy for Josh Heupel. He he kind of went through the ringer, and to see the reaction whenever he got hired at Tennessee, so many people oh, they, they were not like, happy. this is a terrible hire, this is awful. I'm sure a lot of those people are liking that hire now because he's, oh, got, yeah. he's got Tennessee rolling. They look like one of the best, easily one of the four best teams in the country right now. Um. Obviously, they have a tough schedule remaining after already playing a tough schedule through the first half of the season. But, I mean, right now it doesn't look like anybody's derailing that train. I mean, we'll obviously see when they play Georgia here in the coming weeks. I think that game's three weeks away or t- two weeks away from this week. I think they they have, like, UT Martin this week, and then they play Kentucky and Georgia mm-hmm. back-to-back. So they'll, they'll find out what they're made of in those two weeks. And if they get through that, they're likely going to go undefeated. But, you know, that, that rounded out our games this week. Just like like we said, a, a crazy week of college football doll. And on our picks, like I said, we both went 4-2. and two. And so, you know, going into our Week 8 preview, we have another great slate of games to pick from. And so we had t- I mentioned a minute ago your record now improves to 26-19 and 19 in picks against the spread, and I'm 21-24. and 24, So you've got a pretty healthy lead on me going into this week. So I, I may have to mix it up. Try to try to get <laughs> try back, to get on, some back on the winning side of things, but you know we'll we'll get right into our first game, and that's number seven, flying under the radar. Number seven, Ole Miss. Nobody really talking about the Rebels, going to LSU, to Death Valley. LSU comes in as a one and a half point favorite, and now I'm going to go look real quick. So this is a two thirty game. So you know you don't have the rooster kickoff like they did for. Tennessee. But it's not a night game kickoff either. No, it's not a night game. I'm genuinely surprised that LSU is favored in this game. So I'll let you know, let you kind of take the floor. What what do you think? What what are your initial thoughts on this matchup? You know, after last week, we don't, uh, it's not, it's not real shocking to see, you know, because against probably one of the worst teams in the, in the SEC, Ole Miss struggled to put Auburn away. They would get a lead. I want to say they had like a 14 or 17 point lead at one point. And then Auburn would like 
push it back to a one-score lead. Yeah. So, you know, Ole Miss's defense is kind of the big question mark here because you don't know what what they're going to be able to do. And, you know, LSU can score points. You've seen that last week when they played Florida. But I, uh, I think that maybe that Auburn game might have been a little bit of a trap game for Ole Miss. You know, yeah. looking ahead in their schedule, you know, they got big ones coming up. But uh, give me uh, give me Ole Miss. I think Lane Kiffin kind of gets his guys' minds right. I think that offense is just too good. You know, Jackson Dart's really kind of coming into his own, and you got the two-headed monster and the Judkins kid and Evan – or Zach Evans. Zach Evans, yep. So, you know, give me Ole Miss minus, or plus one and a half. Yeah, and as much as I would like to pick against you and try to get a game, I just don't think this is the one to do it. I I just don't like they have the home field advantage, but I don't I just don't see how LSU wins this game. I mean it's basically a pick 'em. Yeah, and I, you know, you could say Ole Miss's defense has been bad, but has LSU's has offense LSU's been offense great? Been yeah, consistent exactly. like not not they've had they have had games where they score but you know have they consistently been great and i don't right. think we've seen that from lsu yeah so I, i'm gonna go with my intuition and take i'm gonna take Ole miss plus one and a half also so we're, we're on the same page here to start out with and uh we we both like the rebels plus one and a half i i think i think they should win this game um that that's definitely who i would put money on and so our next matchup we head over to the big 10 uh, not another non, you know, not a top twenty-five matchup, but we do have one ranked team. Um, that's Minnesota, who comes in five and two. They're going on the road to Penn State, who fell to number sixteen this week in the rankings that we talked about. Kind of, kind of look at this as a rebound game for Penn State. They come in here at home as a four and a half point home favorite, and you know, I, I think that kind of tells you all you need to know about this game. But you know, I'll, I'll let you give your thoughts on this one. You know, Minnesota kind of come in as like a dark horse West team, and I want to say they're still in the lead for the West. They have a really, really good. They have a really, really good running back. Yes. The, the uh, yes, he's uh, he's the real deal. And you know, after last week, seeing Penn State struggle to stop the run, I know Michigan's a different monster with Corum. And that offensive line, but Minnesota kind of finds a way to run the football well. Right. I know they just dropped the game to the Illini, but uh, he still had 127 yards and a touchdown. Right. Illinois is a good team. They they but, actually uh, who is leading that the West the West uh, division. Are they are they leading in the West right now? That's yeah. what, I I knew I knew Minnesota was was last was up there last week. I did, I knew they lost. Um but in on the same retrospect, they also gave up a lot of yards on the ground to Illinois and Penn State can run the ball a lot better than the Illini can. So I'm gonna go Penn State. Penn State minus four and a half? Yeah, minus four and a half. Ah again. Mm. You know what? I, I was I, I was leaning Michigan or Minnesota, I'm, but you know I think that I think that the only thing that Minnesota can really do is run the football with 
right. Um, right. They're running back. So I think Penn State can kind of keep yeah, you I off mean, balance. Penn State a can do a lot more. of things. You know, the Clifford kid has been, you know, okay, but he kind of always does something just totally ignorant with the football. Um, but, you know, the Singleton and the running back, he's had a good year. But I, I think after that loss last week, you think Penn State's going to bounce back, but I think that I'm going to take the Golden Gophers to cover the four and a half. See, I do think Penn State that. might win this game, but it honestly wouldn't shock me if Minnesota beat them. Um, Happy Valley is obviously a tough place to play, and it's, it is going to be a night game. So, you know, they have their work cut out for them, and I might regret this pick, but I'm going to just, you know, for the sake of being different, trying to gain a game, I, I think Penn State may let down here. And I'm going to take the Golden Gophers at plus four and a half in this one. And so our next game, this is our first top 25 matchup between two ranked teams. You're going to enjoy talking about this one. Um, your, your Texas Longhorns ranked number 20 in the country, five and two. They are headed to Oklahoma State to face the Cowboys, who fell to number 11 in the rankings after that loss to TCU. But Texas comes in as a six and a half point road favorite. I hate this line. Against a team ranked above them. But I'll let you say your piece on your Texas Longhorns because I obviously know where your pick is in this game. There's there's something going on. Vegas knows something. And this line would not be this egregious. I don't think Texas has done anything to warrant being a seven, a touchdown favorite in in a, a road game. Seeing how we lost our only true road game at Texas Tech. Um, I think I, th- I know there's a lot of speculations with Spencer Sanders. I think think he still plays, but the thing that stands out to me, Oklahoma State is pretty good on offense. You know they're averaging 450 yards and 45 points a game. The difference in this team and last year's team is, one, they're relying on Spencer Sanders a lot more because, you know, they don't have Jalen Warren. They don't have that prolific back they can just turn around and hand it off to. They don't have as good of playmakers on on the edge. And this defense has given up 435, 437.3 yards a game. They're giving up over 300 yards passing a game. Yeah, probably not a good recipe against Texas, who kind of has thrown it all over the place with uh, Quinn Ewers back at quarterback. And, you know, I think that a lot of this is getting fed in to the fact that Quinn's playing so well. But Quinn didn't look great. I mean, we can kind of go on the Iowa State stuff, but Iowa State's a really good defense. They don't. They don't give you a whole lot. They make you just take don't make your a lot of mistakes. Yeah, yeah. They, just, they don't make a lot of mistakes. But um, I think, I think the one thing that stands out is how bad Oklahoma State's defense has been. It's kind of been a quiet bad. Like they haven't, they haven't had any big mistakes that had cost them. You know, they right. didn't look great against Tech, but they still end up winning. Because I think Tech tried to do kind of too much on the fourth down deal, the way they did with Texas, tried to steal another one. But against TCU, it kind of showed up. You know, TCU has Quentin Johnson, who 
Johnston, who's just a freak. And Oklahoma State doesn't have the linebackers. No. And I don't I don't want to say Oklahoma State's linebackers aren't good, by no, because they, they are good, but they're not the caliber they had last year. No. Oklahoma State killed a lot of people last year because they ran that too high safety look. They kind of pressed you in coverage, and they could still stop you in the run with six, six guys. Right. But this year it's different. They have to walk that safety down. When they walk that safety down, their secondary is not experienced enough to be on an island. So what happens, they get beat deep, and then it's like, shit, pull the safety back. Well, when you pull the safety back, teams just gouge you in the run game. And I think Gundy's going to kind of have to pick his poison here. Do you let Bijan and Roshan run for 250, or do you kind of make Quinn make throws over the top and kind of try to get into a shootout? Because Texas's defense hasn't been great by no means. I mean, we're giving up 347, 118 on the ground, 228, and we really struggle with a running quarterback. Right. But I think that I think Gundy's going to have to make a choice, and I just don't think I don't think there's enough there for me to just be like, oh, Texas can't win by more than a touchdown. Right. You know, if, Sand- if Sanders is hurt, it's very possible. But um, give me, you know, I'm taking my Longhorns. Give me Texas minus six and a half. I feel like this is possible. I, I feel like this is definitely a game that you're going to get one back because I know you're going to go with OSU. It's an easy pick. Yeah, I, I kind of want to take Texas because I part of me thinks that they're going to win this game because I think, you know, I, I don't think there's anything that suggests that either of these teams are dominant to any degree. No. No. Um, so I don't think one team's going to go in and dominate the other. I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game. And I could see one or the other team winning by, you know, a field goal or scoring a late touchdown to win by four, you know, being down three. Right. So, you know, I, with it being homecoming, obviously going to be a, a crazy environment. You know, it is an afternoon game. You'd like, you, you'd like for it to be, you know, night game. Like when when they're there at Boone Pickens, it you know it can be kind of wild, but it's kind of are, are they there. are they ever there? They they usually are there to start, but a lot of times they leave around halftime. Um, and in big games too, like in big yeah. games they'll leave, and it's weird. Yeah. It's just like what, I mean, me, what are y'all you, doing? Me and you have watched this particular game in Stillwater together in that stadium, and it was empty at halftime. Now that was mm-hmm. years and years ago, but you know Texas dominated that game that night. Um, I, I am going to take the Cowboys uh, at plus six and a half. I, I really don't think that they're going to win, but I, I think that they're going to cover. I don't think they're going to be, get beat by a touchdown, but I I could be wrong. This is more so me just trying to take a game back. Uh, I mean, I, you're you're picking the right way. This, this I mean, I'm not is... I'm I'm not I'm not oblivious to the fact that this line is outrageous. I had this, this line at a pick'em, and as, as an Oklahoma fan. I don't have a lot of interest in this game, Dalton, as you, you can just imagine, have, for obvious just hope reasons. For, hope, hope for a tie. But, yeah, or if they could both lose, that would be great for me. Yeah, well, um, so that's not how it works. Hopefully but, Texas just wins. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Cowboys. I, I think Spencer Sanders is going to play. I, I think he's going to make enough plays to, to, to keep him in the game, keep it close. But 
Whether they win or not, that'll do. That'll remain to be seen. And and I, I'm going to take the Cowboys plus six and a half in that matchup. And so our our next game, we have number 14 Syracuse, undefeated Syracuse, heading on the road to number five Clemson. Clemson, you know, they they have kind of got the ball rolling on the offensive side of the ball. They come in here as a 13 and a half home favorite, point home favorite, um, over the Orange. And man, I don't know, thirteen and a half. That's that's a, that's a lot. A yeah, it's you two know, touchdowns. I mean, they got to win by two touchdowns. What 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 do you think on this one? Syracuse has been just they've been solid. They haven't done nothing great. Obviously, why they're not ranked higher than what they are, being undefeated. Um. They don't. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They haven't really played nobody to that extent. The defense doesn't give up a hundred yards rushing. The defense also doesn't give up two hundred yards passing. But I think that also comes as a little bit of a fact that they like to run the football and kind of control time possession the way you know a K State would. Right. Kind of keep 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 the ball out of your opposing team's hands. Now are they going to be able to do that against Clemson's? Very, very stout defensive front. I don't know. Um, but two touchdowns is a lot. And you asking me to take Clemson by two touchdowns is a really tough ask here because Clemson kind of finds a way to cover in a lot of the games we pick, you know, being yeah. like a little backdoor stuff where they score late and it kind of pushes them over. But I don't think that's going to be the case in this game. Uh, give me Syracuse plus 13 and a half. Okay, I like that because I, I Ooh, think I like yes. I, I love I like, it when you pick Clemson. I love I it. Let's I hear it. I like Clemson plus 13 and a half. I think have, you, have you gotten a Clemson game right yet? I don't think so. But my scenario for this one, I think they're going to have about a 10-point lead and maybe score a late touchdown and win by 17, which would be perfect for me. Um, that would be a, that would be about what you would think like a Clemson right. would do. Yeah, like you know, it it may be I don't know, you know, thirty to twenty. They score a late touchdown and win thirty-seven to twenty, something like that. You know, I could I hope see they that kick, happening. I, I hope they kick a field goal and they win thirty-three to twenty. Clemson's offense has gotten going with DJ and you know Will Shipley, and, and I don't know how much success that. Um, Syracuse is going to have offensively against that defense. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Tigers plus or minus 13 and a half. I, I like I like the Tigers, and and so that takes us back to the Big 12 and probably the biggest conference matchup of the week for the Big 12. As far as the conference race goes, we have our two undefeated conference teams facing off. Number 17 Kansas State. They go down to TCU, and I don't know how TCU is getting all these big games at home. Um, oh, I know. But That's, they're traveling to number eight TCU, and TCU comes in as a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. This is a night game in Fort Worth. Um, what what are you thinking on this one? Oh, this uh, – I've been scratching is, my – I've like been a tough game to pick. This is a really tough game to pick because you don't know what you're going to get. That's what I was about to say. Both of these teams, you feel like they're due to lay an egg. 
Yeah, you know, you know Kansas totally State's already laid one against Tulane, right, right. which that that loss doesn't look as bad now because Tulane's ranked in the top twenty-five. Right. So you know you don't you don't just go, oh well they lost to a non-power five team that non-power five teams ranked. Yeah. Um. Adrian Martinez has been kind of, eh, yeah, in the past game. Kind of me. So I mean, he, you know how many t- passing touchdowns he has on the year. Four? Is that what I'm looking at? Four. Yeah. Four touchdown passes on the year. Deuce Vaughn hasn't done a lot either. No, no, he hasn't. But, you know, you expect that when you're the guy. Right. Like, they they haven't done a real great job of scheming him open. Right. Um, Or whenever they get in the red zone, you know, they just let Martinez walk it in. Yeah, the one place that I think Kansas State's going to have to just refuse to give up is they're going to have to double team Quentin Johnston. Right. All all night. You don't yeah, you I don't put a, you, you don't you don't put a guy on an island with him. I don't I don't give a shit who your best corner is. Quentin Johnston's better. Yeah, I, I think Kansas make State somebody should, else beat you. Yeah, they, they will have a hard time with Johnston. And, I mean, really all of TCU's wide receivers, they're big, big-bodied guys. Um, but, you know, Quentin Johnston's different. Oh, and no, you know that, sure. that, That's what Jared Wiley, the six seven tight end that they got from Texas, yeah. is is an, another tough matchup because you literally put him anywhere on anybody and he's got a five to whatever-inch advantage. Because you so, don't see very many six four, six five linebackers who right. can cover. Um, so what do you think? Everything in my heart of heart tells me to take TCU minus three and a half, but I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, Kansas State finds a way. Chris Kleiman finds finds a way to put themselves in these games. Give, I'm taking TCU. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't. I can't go away. Yes. Okay. They're at home. It's a night game, and I just think that if you I, try to stop, if you try to stop one, you're going to lose to the other. I'm actually not going to go against you here. I I like TCU also. Um, ironically enough, you know, <laughs> not that it would ever happen, but you know, I talked about my my wild scenario that I came up with for Oklahoma to get back in the conference race. That would require a Kansas State loss here. So, I'm taking TCU, not 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 in hopes of that happening. It's just ironic that that that's, you know, happened to be the case. I, you, I need, just think, you need you need Kansas State to lose this that way they can lose to Texas and Oklahoma State. I yeah, and I mean ultimately my my scenario that I came up with, I need TCU to run the table. So, yep. probably not going to happen, but that's what I need to happen. So, I I like the I and I think I would like the Horn Frogs regardless. I I think their offense they're, they're doing a lot of good things. I do agree with you on the Johnston kid. I think Kansas State is going to have a really hard time um, having an answer for him. And so, I, ultimately, I don't think that Kansas State is going to be able to keep up with TCU. So, I, I, I like the Frogs minus three and a half. I think they win this game by, you know, a touchdown, maybe ten points. So, I, I will take TCU minus three and a half. And so, with that, that takes us into our game of the week, Dalt. It's a Pac-12 matchup. Ironically enough, a top 10 Pac-12 matchup. Don't see that very often. 
fighting chip chilies, baby. Especially recently in years past. Um, but we have number nine, UCLA, undefeated, heading to Eugene to take on the number 10-ranked Oregon Ducks, who come into this game as a home six-point favorite. This line is disrespectful. Oh, okay. This line is disrespectful. I don't care what Oregon's done since they've got... I mean, are we forgetting what Georgia did to them in week one? I think most everybody has, yeah. Is is it forgiven? Like, I mean, uh, I, mean I get that you beat BYU, but I, I is BYU maybe, such a great win now? I think it's forgiven, but not necessarily forgotten. Because I think or, that Georgia, they've pretty much, I mean, they've had some games lately that they've kind of struggled with. But, you know, they've handled pretty much everybody on their schedule. Yes, including so, Oregon. But... You also have to take into account that teams do improve throughout the season most of the time. Sometimes they get worse, but most of the okay. time they're going to improve. And it's a first-year coach. Like That was obviously you know, a, an interesting situation for him being the former Georgia defensive coordinator. Like Again, I'm not saying it's forgotten about, but I do think you have to forgive it a little and kind of, you know, you know, you move on. Oregon, Oregon's looked like a good team. I, I don't think okay. they're as bad as they were in that game against Georgia. Hold on. Let let let's let's run down the list of their five wins. Eastern Washington. Okay. B BYU is that is that such a great win now? That's not looking a great back win, at it. It's a, it's a good solid win. Okay. Beat them. Washington. Yeah, okay. Them. Washington State. Okay. I mean, they gave up forty one. Yeah, not not. A and they had to come from behind to win it. Arizona and Stanford are either one of those good teams. No. Newsflash: UCLA is a good team. But, UCLA is giving up less yards than Oregon, and they've played better competition. Right. I mean, to an extent, better competition. Their best win is Utah. Uh, that Washington win is not looking quite as good as it did at the time. Kind of, it's kind of similar to the BYU win for Oregon. I think Washington has kind of fallen apart over the last few weeks, but the Utah win is a great win for UCLA. So I, I will give you that. Um, I I know where you're on this. You're, oh yeah, give me you, give me UCLA in the points UCLA, all day. UCLA plus six. I. I'm trying to think, how, how much different have I been than you today? It hasn't been as much as I probably would have wanted to be. But you went OSU. I have a chance me. to. I have a chance to be different for four out of, out of six times. So I'm going to take Oregon minus six. And I don't know that I have any merit for it, Dalton. You should Honestly, have took your, but, you should you should have took your three and been happy because there was three games that you could have that are very easily for you to get. This game is not one. I, I mean, you may be right. But... DTR is going to break it <laughs> off in Oregon. He he very well might, but I, I think Oregon Oregon has a nice home field advantage there in Eugene. You know, for the most part, um, they ain't gonna be getting no nine yard onside kicks this year. No, no, and even if if the other team recovers the ball, they they may still get it given to them. That's you know that has happened before. People don't forget. 
Um, but yeah, I, I'm just going to take the Ducks just to be different and try to get a pick back. I, I think that they have as good a chance to win this game as they do to lose it. I think they've got just as good a players, if not probably better players than UCLA. But UCLA is rolling, so it wouldn't shock me if, if UCLA won this game, or at least covered. Um, but I, I'm going to take Oregon minus six. And so to kind of review, um, our first game was Ole Miss at LSU. LSU's favored minus one and a half. We both are on Ole Miss at plus one and a half in that game. Uh, our second game that we picked was Minnesota at Penn State. You like Penn State minus four and a half. I take took Minnesota at plus four and a half. Texas at Oklahoma State. You are obviously on Texas at minus six and a half. I like the Cowboys at plus six and a half in that one. Uh, Syracuse at Clemson. You are on the Orange at plus thirteen and a half. I'm taking Clemson minus thirteen and a half. K State at TCU. We both like TCU in this one at minus three and a half. And then our game of the week: UCLA at Oregon. You like the Bruins at plus six, and I like the Ducks at minus six. So we do have some discrepancies this week. So there's some potential for me to get. It, it could be a really big week for you. It could be yeah, a really big week for you. could be yeah, a really bad week really, for you, too. You, yeah, you could really stretch your lead, or um, I could gain some ground. But another exciting week. You know, not probably not quite as good a slate of games as last week, Dalt. But, um, you know, there's several good games. Should be another good Saturday of college football. I'm really looking forward to it. My, my Sooners cannot hurt me this week, Dalton. They are on a bye week. So you cannot you lose cannot, to the bye week. They, they cannot hurt me this week. I've, you you, can, you can't lose to the bye week. You can't. You're going to obviously get to watch one of your biggest rivals lose. Right, right. And is USC on a bye week too? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. so, I mean, your your biggest rival won't lose because they don't play. <laughs> uh but yeah, it, it is nice. I'll be able to kind of just sit back and relax, watch some watch some college football, and see how it all turns out. But um, you know, I mean, you could say we could say that OU's really known for off week disasters. Your running backs or one of your best players might go punch that, some girl in a subway. That, that's just off season stuff that doesn't happen in the bye week. Um, but I guess with that, that kind of rounds out. We're here on episode 17, Dalt. I mean, and and it's going to be really interesting to see how this turns out. Yeah, I mean, like like we said, we apologize for the the audio. We uh, we're kind of trying to make do. Like like we said, I'm on my Xbox headset. Yeah. Recording via Riverside. Thank goodness for Riverside. I mean, this is this might be a tool that we use more often, and maybe potentially kind of slide into some video podcast. For some reviews or something, if this turns out good, yeah, for sure. We just just probably need to get the proper equipment more so, to right? Use it. Um, but I guess with that, I don't have anything else. Um, if you guys enjoyed this episode, you know we we're on Spotify and iTunes. We are on a couple more platforms now: Stitcher and iHeartRadio. Um, you can find us at the Cover Two Podcast. We're on Twitter at the Cover Two Podcast. We're on. Facebook at the Cover Two Podcast. If you guys enjoy the show, you know, leave us a rating, rate us five stars, write us a good review. If you don't like the show, you know, that's fine too. We we don't no hard feelings. Um, you know, give us some interaction on on social. We we enjoy interacting. We always are on there talking about college football. Um, but other than that, don't. I guess if if you don't have anything else to add, I guess you know we're out. No, sir. Don't forget to cover the flats. <laughs>